brought to you by the Rugby Outlet Mall, equipping you for freedom and connection through rugby. Find out more at RugbyOutletMall.com. I think the minute I stepped on a practice field for rugby, the calling happened. Uh, an eight-year plan to be on the team, and I was in it within two years. Don't wait until you are a pro to be a pro, right? Like, I like doing something, look, stopping and learning from it. Like, it just looked like it was a heavy hit. If it gets up, it's not up. You know, that's the first time I played, like, professionally. I'm making rugby money. How can I make money outside of it? And those two Scottish guys, and they said, oh, you're, um, you're here for the movie. Rugby is a sport where that's often coupled with actually having a good time. He looked at me and he says, you guys are awesome. Yo, what's up everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. My name is Gift Gift Tommy Bailu, and this is a podcast where we speak with people about the opportunities that they have experienced, found, and have been able to take advantage of via rugby. Uh, we have an amazing guest, and of course, you know, before we even get into that, yo, happy holidays to you guys. You know, this is Christmas week, all right? You know, we, we were just around. It's to see the year is almost over. It's going to be wild. Apparently, you know, today, well, I guess technically yesterday, as when you'll, when this is posted, <clears throat> black people are supposed to get powers. I, I didn't I didn't get my powers. Um, but, I mean, Jupiter and Saturn are going, so there's still, like, time or something like that to be going on. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm just, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. Part of the, the Christmas holiday spirit, you know, just random things happening here and there. <laughs> But no, I'm, I'm hoping that you guys are going to have a chance to be able to go spend time with family in some way, shape, or form. Uh, you know, I know it's most people aren't going to be able to travel because of the pandemic and, you know, not wanting to spread anything. And, you know, it's tough. But if it's, that's what you have to deal with, yo, just, just take care of yourself. You know, hopefully you can be in contact with people that you care about and love and, and that you don't have to simply just deal with it on your own um so but I, I do hope that you have a great holiday uh this week but we have a really special guest uh this time as we always do uh these are uh what's the best way to put this um coming from a club that i I tried to actually get to talk to in person when I was uh down in Brazil, but I didn't have the chance to because uh the covid codes were kind of going up and it made it impossible to be able to go meet people face to face but you know it didn't stop the need to be able to talk with them and i'm so happy i did uh we got to speak i got to speak with uh the curitiba rugby club this is actually one of the biggest rugby clubs uh in brazil itself uh, a multiple championship club uh bringing a lot of athletes that are, are playing for the national team in brazil and uh you know contrary to popular belief uh are pretty dominant in south america itself so um specifically i got to speak with um two of the captains for the brazil team and uh one of the the media faces for it um Gab Gabby J. Pellegrini 
the captain for the women's team, uh, national team member as well too. Uh, Vitor Ancina, who is the captain for the men's team, and got to speak with Leo Crema, who uh, works the voice for Curitiba Rugby, and uh, they gave us just a lot of information. You know, part of what I wanted to always do, and like I said, is to be able to show the opportunities, but even more so is to be able to show the spread and the humanity so that you can be able to create a network through this rugby industry and know that you can travel, not the industry, but through this rugby network and that you can be able to travel around to wherever it is that you want to and be able to find a home. I know sometimes it feels more mythological and more statement than reality, but I would beg to differ in a lot of cases. And I just want to make sure that you're getting open up to this fact, especially as we're coming into the end of this year. Uh, and, you know, we're going to be opening up to travel again. I mean, the vaccine's coming through. It's going to take a while, but we're going to be coming back to it again. And you're going to be able to connect with people in ways that are not just on a uh, camera-to-camera basis or some version of a digital method uh, that goes along with it. So when that time comes, you want to be able to ride the rugby wave and jump on into that network so that you can be able to experience more of the world, experience more of your region, experience more of the people around you, and just be able to enjoy just everything that goes along with it. But these guys were awesome to speak to. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Obviously, personally, my fiance is from Curitiba itself. So um, the, the idea of being able to uh, talk with these guys and, and, and be able to create this interaction for the future definitely works for me and, and my personal developing network through rugby. So uh, I, I really enjoyed it. But I think they gave a lot of great details about uh, Brazil rugby and basically a really great outlook to how to be able to perceive the game more and more. I, I, I'm, you're not going to regret it. Let's, let's, you're not going to regret listening to it. When you clicked on this, you made a great decision in your action. So <laughs> just put it out there. But of course, guys, I want to make sure that you guys obviously know about Rugby Outlet Mall. I talk about it every podcast. I know you got to be tired. You're like, man, gift. I keep hearing about it. I look. I'm not seeing what I got. But look, I'm going to tell you now. Look, this next year, we're, we're starting to put up for something big. Rugby Outlet Mall is just one method, and it's our way of being able to fund something even bigger that I think is so necessary for the rugby uh, the rugby world. It's being able to create the the proper hype train that we've been looking for, and especially as we re-change how everything goes, I think it's going to make the biggest difference. But it all mean, depends on how we create connection. And I actually have a book that's going to be coming out in the next few days. Um, Spectator Laws to Rugby. I want you guys to be on the lookout for it. And when it jumps onto Rugby Outlet Mall, I want you guys to be able to get your copy of it. And because you listen to this podcast, all right? And when I tell you, you want to be able to do because this is going to be a book that you want to share with your friends and your families. And we're trying to do this to be able to really bridge between those who are not part of the rugby world and those who are and make sure that we are all on the same page. Not just on the same page overall, but I mean we're riding this rugby wave and we understand how to be able to utilize this rugby wave. And this helps for those who are new coming into the sport, those who are veterans in the sport, those who are just wanting to be a spectator of the sport but not have to play. I'm telling you, the spectator laws to rugby is going to be the, the book that is going to change a lot of perceptions of rugby going into 2021. And I want you guys to be able to have a chance, because you listen to this podcast, to be able to get uh, 20% off of the book 
It's going to be using promo code GROWRUGBY, G-R-E-A-U-X RUGBY. In literally four days, you're going to see this book pop up. And then you're going to start seeing it get promoted around. And I'm telling you, you guys are going to want to do it because you know what? Thank you guys for continuing to listen to this. And you guys are going to be wanting to take advantage of it. Right now, it's only going to be in English. But we're going to get into other languages eventually. But you guys definitely want to get this. All right. And, of course, because it's also the season, you guys want to take time to spend time with the family, watch some great rugby, be able to see what the world of rugby really is. Definitely go check out our film Singapore to Tokyo any way we can. This is the documentary that Jason Bray and myself took going through Southeast Asia all the way to the Rugby World Cup 2019 in Japan and getting to learn how rugby has truly impacted culture. Like we're changed. It's this sport is changing culture for generations and we had the pleasure of being able to see it and we want you to be able to see it. And all you got to do is go ahead over to Red Earth Films that VHX dot e dot tv about to say dot edu i don't know why but dot tv that's red earth films dot vhx dot tv you guys can see the codes inside the uh inside the information box here on the podcast or down here on the youtube page because it is well worth it you're going to want to watch it with your family i'm telling you it's going to be the best christmas present that you get for yourself and i'm saying like just just go check it out. Like I, I can't even say it. Everybody who has ever watched it has not had a bad review on it. And I'm telling it to people who are so ready to give me bad reviews. It's, it's just insane. But, yo, they're loving it. They couldn't stop watching it. They couldn't put it down. And I'm telling you, go check it out. You're going to enjoy it. And lastly, yo, please go and uh, like our Grow Rugby podcast page. Uh, thank you to those who have already liked the, the, the Instagram page itself. And also go check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash gift time rugby network. Obviously, it's where we put the video for this. And we're going to be putting even more content going into 2021 because it's a busy, busy year. So I want you guys to just keep excited, keep informed. I want to make sure that we are bridging the, the gap. So that we're continuing to grow the sport, we're continuing to develop the culture, and we're continuing to make it even more grandiose, more uh, uh, inclusive, and really step outside some of these ranges that we have been uh, running into in the past. 2020 was an eraser year to reset and set this sport to where it's supposed to be. So you're as global or as local as you absolutely need to be. But guys... Uh, speaking of global, hey, as we're going to take start taking this out more and more, I hope you guys will continue to, to take this information and learn more about the people and just be the most informed rugby person because it's going to make you probably one of the most informed people in your area uh, or at least help guide you to it. So in the meantime, please enjoy Curitiba Rugby Club, Leo Crema, Gabby J. Pellegrini, and uh, Vidor uh, Encina. Curitiba Rugby, Brazil, check it out. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. My name is Gift Gift Time and Bill, and we got very, very important persons. Two of them, technically, actually three of them. Let's get it right. Coming straight out of Brazil. Y'all know this comes from my heart. 
uh, Kurichiba doubly on my heart and uh, just continue to expand how much rugby goes. Coming from the Kurichiba Rugby Club, we got Gabriella J. Pellegrini, uh, the leader for the women's team. And we have Vitor, who is the captain for the men's team. And also, to add to how special this moment is, we got Leonardo Crema, who is going to be translating for us uh, for Vitor. But we're going we're gonna to still integrate him in altogether. But getting this full international element and being able to see how much more the game goes. Guys, thank you so much for just being here. Yeah, I mean, it's a pleasure to be here. We're all excited about it. And let's hope that everything, go, everything goes well. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Well, look, I, I kind of want to get the, the individual stories. And I know, Gabriella, we were talking about it a little bit before broadcast. But uh, I hope you can re you remember everything you said because I want this yeah. actually on the recording, too. But can you kind of, starting with you for the women's side, uh, can you tell us how you got started in rugby? We're all about the origin story, superhero style. Okay. Uh, my dad, uh, Sergio, he, he used to play for Curitiba Rugby as well. Uh, He's an Argentinian guy, actually, and he started playing rugby in Brazil. And since I was born, I know the sport and uh, I fell in love with the sport since the beginning because it's so different than everything we know. And I got the chance to start playing when I was 15. Uh, at the time, I was the youngest of the team. After me, the younger girl was 21 years old. So a pretty big difference and nowadays I'm 27 so I play for 11 almost 12 years Nice. and since this time the club changed so much it grows so much we started having a base category uh, which we were Brazilians champion in the youth uh, category as well nice so it's amazing how big everything can grow oh man I love that and uh, Vitor, could you please let us know how you got started with rugby? Ele quer saber como é que você começou no rugby, Vitão? Como é que você entrou para o clube? Como é que você conheceu o esporte e tudo mais? Ótimo. Eu conheci o rugby através da universidade. Então eu comecei adulto, né? Não, não tive aquela vivência na infância com rugby. É, logo que eu entrei na universidade aqui em Curitiba, conheci amigos e eles já já faziam, praticavam o rugby lá no Curitiba Rugby. E esses amigos eram o Felipe Bicudo e o Gustavo Albuquerque. Aí, dessa maneira, eu comecei a introduzir o rugby, né? So, he said that he, he didn't start playing rugby as a kid. He started in it when he was at the university. So, he, he started doing the, the course at the university. And then some friends of him already played for Curitiba. Uh, and then they brought him up to the team. Nice. See, I love it. it, it it's, it's, this is even better than I expected. We get the two dichotomies of start on here. Leo, you did, you did good on this. I'm, I'm really happy on this. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so, uh, you know, one thing that is always known with Brazil, I don't feel like Brazil rugby really got known until a little bit right before the Olympics in 2016. Uh, I remember, uh, U.S. and Brazil in terms of the men's would compete in Brazil beat us inexplicably 
at least once right before <laughs> before that 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 Olympics and uh, in 15s. But for the women's, I think they actually got seen because of the Olympics uh, on the Olympic scene itself. Whenever it was in Rio, so kind of at, from where you guys have started, what has been one of the biggest changes that has occurred uh, since you started, and definitely since the Olympics occurred in Brazil? Um, Gabriela, I'd love to start with you and move to Vitor. Okay. Um, in my point of view, uh, rugby used to develop a lot until the Olympics. And after the Olympics, we had a decrease, which is sad because we expected the opposite to happen. But since the Olympics, which rugby was included, was in Brazil, we had a lot of investments in rugby during this period because we were the country receiving the event. Uh, sadly, uh, that's not happening the same quantity as before, but this year, everything started to get a little bit better and some investments improved in relation to the years before. Uh, I think maybe because Tokyo was coming and maybe we still have to invest in that, but I'm talking about the club point of view, okay? If we start thinking about the selection point of view, the investments continue during the whole period, okay? During the four years after the Rio. Uh, but the point of view of club, we used to receive more investments, uh, more people interested in the sport than now. But uh, I see the prospects getting better. Uh, Leo could talk a little bit about that after, uh, because as the, as a club, we started receiving uh, some investments, some more. Uh, I for, I forgot the word for sponsors. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, yep. that we didn't had before, and we are getting back some other sponsors. Uh, but yeah, I think. Rugby gave a visibility for our sport that we didn't have before with the Olympics. Uh, but the women's in South America, we used to be very known since we are 18 times champion of South America. Yeah. Uh, but in the world context, context uh, maybe we're not that good, but we are improving a little bit every time. It only takes it only takes uh, the uh, a small step to be able to make a major change to get to a major change. So, you know, yeah. you still dominate your area if it continues to grow. We've seen this with Asia itself and seen the development of the Japanese yeah. women and the Chinese yeah. women's team. So, uh, yo, it's keep trucking on. But yeah, we're gonna tap on something there because I, I didn't. It, it actually opened up something interesting. Um, Vitor, um, from your perspective, from your perspective. Um, how has rugby changed from when you started playing to now? And uh, as I had talked about earlier, uh, the Olympics being one that I think the world saw visibility on, what has the last four years been like for rugby from your, uh, from your side? Está é, perguntando, Vitor, no seu ponto de vista, qual que foi o grande desenvolvimento do rugby ao longo dos, último an dos últimos anos? Principalmente levando em conta as Olimpíadas do Brasil, que uhum. ocorreram em 2016. Então, de lá para cá, você sentiu que melhorou assim, o rugby? Teve mais investimento? Teve mais visão ou não? Ou piorou? Ficou na mesma? Seu ponto de vista sobre o rugby em geral no, no país? 
Certo. É, logo depois da, da indicação né, que teria as Olimpíadas no Rio de Janeiro e que o Rugby Seven faria parte, acredito que houve um investimento, sim, em um desenvolvimento né, do rugby interno no, no, no país. Né? É, a, a, a visualização do rugby se tornou muito maior no país e, 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 houve, e aconteceu também na seleção brasileira, ter, é, ter acesso a mais torneios, né? A disputa de, de etapas mundiais de Sevens, e isso também fez com que o trabalho da categoria de base dos clubes é, pudessem se focar mais, né? Ter um trabalho mais sério para desenvolver o rugby interno, e para isso acontecer, teve também que buscar mais, mais jogadores, e com isso é, a gente aumentou. A, a, como é que eu posso te dizer assim, a comunicação, né, a informação, a distribuição do rugby, né, a gente propagou mais o rugby no Brasil, então acredito eu que sim, a, visualiz a visualização das Olimpíadas, de ter o rugby nas Olimpíadas, fez crescer e desenvolver mais o rugby no Brasil, tá, e agora a gente se torna uma, uma potência, né, tem, a gente tem esse recurso aqui para se trabalhar, tem muito mais para se fazer, né, no rugby brasileiro. Yeah, so we say that uh, Olympics were a really break point for the sport. Uh, since it happened in Brazil, since it was the first time that we had uh, rugby, seven, but we did have rugby. And since then, things are getting better on his view. Uh, we're getting more investment and more of that. And he thinks that, sure, there's a lot of things to, that still can improve, but we're on the right way. And yeah, that was it. And in, in my opinion, I think that one of the big problems here is the media, because we are all know in the world as the country of football. Brazil right. is football. Brazil is football. Brazil is football. And I mean, we're not just football. We have much more than football. But if you turn on, if you turn on the TV here and you put on ESPN, you will see like during the day five, five, five TV shows about football and only football. They don't talk about rugby. They don't talk about volley. They don't talk about basketball. They just talk about football. And I mean, come on, there's not there's not that much football to talk about. <laughs> Other things, you know. Come on. Just give us like half an hour of like sports around the world or something like that. <laughs> oh, look, you know, it's it's funny because obviously here in the States, you know, ours is gonna always come back to American football or it's gonna mm -hmm. come back to basketball. And so It's, it's, it's the same concept, but I will say that little by little, and I, it's probably probably a lot because of, you know, there's not been very much sports available, especially this last year, um, that we've gotten a few rugby games on ESPN uh, digital side and the and NBC, but you have to pay a lot for it. So you get like a little Premier League, you get a little bit of uh, – Uh, uh, rugby championships and and southern rugby, but it's it's still not at a level where it's like hitting you in the face. But at least there's options. Now, yeah, Gabriel, but the, the problem the problem with that is is like the sponsor thing because talk, right. Gabby talked about it. We nowadays here in, Curit in the Curitiba rugby, why do we get sponsors? Because we have something called in Brazil that is the uh, social pride, sports laws of incentive. So how does it, does it work? 1% of the taxes that companies have to pay yeah. taking through projects. However, getting a like direct sponsor is really hard because we don't have much visibility. Right. Talk about football and all that. 
but yeah, we're getting there. Sorry, oh, I interrupted. Okay. You were gonna ask Gabby yeah. something. No, no, that's that's really interesting, man. I am. Whew, we got we got questions here because this is this is a lot of components that actually even move a little bit more than what you would expect. Um, but I'll, I'll get to that, and I wanted to kind of follow up with you, Gabby, about the um, about where you saw the deterioration. So you spoke on how like rugby was starting to was seeing more visibility uh, leading into the Olympics. Obviously, anticipation. Did you feel it was that within the women's, or are you feeling that with women's and men, or it was equal? Uh, I think both with men and women, uh, because men they used to receive a lot of investments for sevens, mm -hmm. not for 15s, because right. the Olympics were directed for so. seven. And after the Olympics passed, the, our Brazilian confederation, for the men's, they started investing more in 15s and putting the sevens away. Right. They used to have a centralization for the sevens men's team, and they cut it off after the Olympics because they didn't have a chance to get a spot in Tokyo. Right. So they didn't think if they invest money, they could have this spot. They didn't think that. They said, oh, they can't get, because they play against Argentina, Uruguay, to get this spot, and right. they are not better than those teams. So if you take, for example, the seven teams that went to play for the South American Championship this year was basically the lineback of the 15s team. It's not a team that practiced for playing sevens. So I saw a deterioration, especially for the men, because the girls, we still play just sevens in Brazil. So we are receiving a little bit less investments than before, but we are still having some investments in sevens. So Uh, the girls, they went to Portugal to practice before the South American Championship, which they won like two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. And they won like, pretty good. But South American is not a big... Uh, Rugby uh, continent. Yeah. yeah. The other teams, they are much weak. They are weaker than Brazil. But Brazil is weaker than the best teams in the world. Right. So we are still like in the 10th to 15th position. But we want to get better. We want to be in the top 10, not right. under the top 10. So, yeah, right. I, I think after the Olympics, that diminished a little bit. And I, I feel that's interesting because, I mean, obviously from a population standpoint, Brazil would be in the same schooling as the U.S. and uh, yeah. as, as a China in terms of like, hey, they have population, you have the athletes, you have, and the economic, at least, uh, 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 availability that, that goes along with it as well, too. In terms of like, in terms of gross GDP, like we're yeah, talking about higher market to be able to commerce because even with from a world standpoint i know when it comes to the u.s uh a lot of it is yes it's the size yes it's the 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 media exposure but also it's the the, the assumed consumer concept that goes along with it. there's people who can increase buy in uh so you know um You know, for you, whenever you say, when you say investment, 
what what do you mean by that? Because that that has a long range. Whether it's sponsorship, you know, Leo, you kind of mentioned about this one percent kind of, I guess, charity tax that you guys get for sports. Is that not, it's mean? not charity. It's a, a, a social program uh, made by the government. Okay. So what they, what they did is they created a law where companies uh, they are uh, tributary. They can, they can direct part of the tax for a project. Could be social, yes. could be cultural, could be sports. Yes. yes. Be different areas. And then we have all the we, we, we do it as we have uh, VOR. We got a lot of money for VOR through that, and for other projects that we have through that as well. But direct money, like I sponsors, but like give me a money like I sponsor, and then I, I will give you some media exposure on the media and all that. That we don't get. That's really hard for us because we don't have so much exposure. Yeah, for example, in Brazil, uh, the only players that receive money are the ones in the selection. Right. Yeah. We don't have professional teams. We don't have, we are, everything is amateur. So yeah. they started having a type of professional team with the girls and with the men's in Brazil is Melina. It's just because a French guy, which is a passion about rugby because of his brother, he decided to create a club and develop women's rugby. And they they pay from his company to develop rugby, but it's an exception. And right. it's something amazing, but it's not it's the Brazilian reality. And for Brazil, when I talk about not having sponsors is what Leo, Leo said, like we don't receive direct money. It's right. just usually directed to a project, generally a social project, because sports in Brazil are still undervalued. Like right. they don't think sports are that important. They Just still don't it. see a sport as a way to transform lives. For example, in the in the US, if you say a sport is Olympic, they started receiving a lot of money because they see the importance of developing sports. Even though uh, American football, basketball are bigger, Small sports, they still receive money. In Brazil, it's pretty hard that to happen. I understand. Okay, so Vitor, uh, I wanted to kind of get your your view. Um, as you said that you started to see the improvements in, in rugby, what were some of the pr improvements that you saw over the last four years that uh, stood out for you the most? Ele, ele, a gente estava conversando aqui, então, meio que sobre o desenvolvimento do rugby geral no país. E daí, por exemplo, a gente estava comentando uhum. eu e a Gabi, que é muito difícil a gente conseguir investimentos de patrocínio, por exemplo, direto, é sempre, por exemplo, através dos nossos Sim. projetos sociais e tudo mais. Aí o que ele está te perguntando é, na sua visão, nos últimos quatro anos, então, assim, desde, a última, desde as Olimpíadas, assim, qual que foi as maiores mudanças que você viu no rugby? No rugby em geral, assim, pode ser, pode ser também específico no clube, mas teve algum efeito as Olimpíadas? Melhorou a, a nossa visão? É, 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 o, nosso, o nosso espaço na mídia, melhorou alguma coisa no masculino, em geral, na seleção, que seja, em tudo. A sua visão do rugby em geral no país, assim, nos últimos quatro anos. Ótimo. É, bom, na minha visão, a questão do desenvolvimento do rugby no país, no Brasil, é, em questão de clube, foi muito baixa pós-Olimpíadas, certo? Se focou mais no alto rendimento. 
isso é, em seleção brasileira. Então, se direcionou muito o desenvolvimento da seleção, do, do profissionalismo, né? Só que isso teve um custo, que foi a centralização. Então, pra, na minha visão, o, o desenvolvimento do rugby nos demais clubes, porque o, o Brasil é muito grande, é, faltou muito, entendeu? O pós-Olimpíadas. Porém, a, atualmente se viu que isso foi um erro, não se desenvolveu os clubes no Brasil, e agora a Confederação Brasileira está apoiando os clubes, né, tentando fazer programas para poder os, os clubes se desenvolverem e, e tratar é, de não tirar um pouco dessa centralização é, da seleção brasileira, do profissionalismo, entendeu? A centralização que você diz lá em São Paulo, assim, mais ou menos. Mas isso? foi do 15, né? Lá em São Paulo, isso, São Paulo. Tá, e o rugby de 15. Isso, Vitão? Vitão? Isso, rugby de 15 e, e, e aos mesmos atletas que vão ser usados agora, né? Na, no Sevens. É, tanto é que vai ter o Sevens agora, que, que passaram, né? Vai ter algumas uhum. etapas e se usa o plantel que está treinando em São Paulo, né? Muito dificilmente se pega lá é, alguém do clube, né? De fora que está treinando no clube o ano todo que vai vir treinar, que vai poder fazer parte da seleção. Não, para poder fazer parte da seleção tem que estar tá, pelo menos um período centralizado. Então isso é eu na minha visão é prejudicial. Né? Yeah, alright. So Yeah. A lot of things to translate, but I'm gonna try to translate. So he was saying that everybody thought that after the Olympics, the, the sport was, was gonna progress because I mean, we entered the Olympics, rugby is there, the world is seeing it, but that didn't happen. Why? Uh, CBRU, uh, the Confederação Brasileira de Rugby, <laughs> they. Brazilian Confederation. Yeah, Brazilian Confederation. Yeah, better. They focused only on the national team. So they forgot about the clubs and they say, no, let's make a strong Brazilian team. Let's go to the Olympics again for the Brazil strong. But they didn't do it uh, supporting the clubs. They did it just focusing on the Olympics. So Victor was saying like, for example, Brazil is a huge country. Of course, we all know it. But they centralize it too much. What did he say by that? Because a lot of players from different teams, they all start going to Sao Paulo and if the confederation Uh, oh, come live in São Paulo because São Paulo is centralized. The Brazilian national team is here. If you if you pay for teams from São Paulo, you're gonna be there. If you don't pay for teams from from another state, maybe you're not gonna be there anymore. So they start doing this, like come to São Paulo, come to São Paulo. And now, like uh, uh, he said, like a year ago from 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 now, they start they they fall and say, oh damn, we did the wrong thing because we should have supported the clubs since the beginning instead of just supporting the national team. And now they are trying to get back to that. They are trying to support us and more, the clubs more, trying to, 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 to leave this centralized thing, leaving the players in their clubs. And when they go to the city, they go to Sao Paulo as well. That's all right. But they play for Curitiba or they play for uh, other clubs around the, the country. And one thing for an example that they are doing This year they did they did a lot of courses. They provided a little a lot of courses to the smaller clubs of like uh, how to captation, how to get new players, how to get new players, how to maintain those players on your club. What are you gonna do? 
uh, improve your social social media, do some social projects and all that. So they so that's it. They thought the Olympics were gonna give us a push, but they did it wrong. Just focus on the national team, and now they say, oh, we did it wrong. Now they doing trying to do it right. I see. So basically, and going it goes back on what you were saying, Gabby, on on trying to come back in and then. Trying now, you're starting to see the little bits more of investments, though it's still not the direct sponsorship yet. Um, but it, at least the focus is going back to where it should be grow the grassroots, and then you'll have a trickle up effect. And it sounds like they thought there was going to be a trickle down effect of get the national team, and then we'll be able to just gather the most important people in this in Sao Paulo, and then you know, you know, the rest of you guys figure out your life from there. Yeah. yeah, and uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, I, I was thinking about what you said. Oh, m why maybe in Brazil is not the same as in the U.S. or China? And I think uh, uh, the biggest reason is because Brazil is big in area, and we don't have a lot of investments in all the areas of Brazil. Uh, a lot of great players from Brazil are from the north and northeast of Brazil, mm -hmm. and those parts of the country, they don't receive uh, the same amount of investment as other parts of the country. Many of the girls that used to play from those teams and they have a potential, usually teams from other parts, they cap them and bring them to their clubs, right. but the club there doesn't develop. Right. So we're not doing the right thing by doing that. For example, I don't know if you have seen uh, Talia or Talita, I, I have I always confuse because they are twins. Mm -hmm. They play for Delta, is a team from the north of Brazil. Like Bahia area is where they're from? Uh what? Like the Bahia uh, area is where they're uh, from? no, Bahia is northeast okay. and north is more Amazonia and regions yeah. around. Okay. Gotcha. Uh they are from regions there. And they enter in the Brazilian selection and they are centralized nowadays, but they are not contributing anymore to their team development. And usually you have one big team that made a lot of effort to be between the top 10 teams in Brazil and be part of the nationals. But the other teams in the North, they are not a part of it. If you take, for example, the top 10 teams of Brazil, five are from Sao Paulo. Five teams are from Sao Paulo. From 10. Right. Half. Yeah. half your city, half, your, half your, your talent pool is literally in this one southeast area. Yes. Exactly. So it, it, how can you develop the rest of the country? So if you take the Brazilian population, we are not reaching all the Brazilian population with rugby because we can get in some areas and that's bad. We need to think better about that. And a lot of people made suggestions for the Brazilian Confederation to do uh, championships in the North and Northeast to cap those people to start playing. Right. But they say, oh, it's too much money because it costs a lot to travel there. Right. For example, uh, uh, an airline passage to the north or northeast of Brazil is like 1,400 rios. And we pay that to go to the U.S. Right. We right. pay That's... around 2,000 to go to the U.S. 
So if we start thinking we pay nationally a ticket with this value, it's not uh, it's not something affordable. Yeah. Makes sense? Yeah, yeah no. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. Uh, wait, Leo, you were about to say something. No, no, I was, I was saying yes, it makes sense. I mean, because yeah. I'm, 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 like I told you, I, I'm new at the club, so I'm, I'm learning some stuff as well. Very, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> we all learn together. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, that's right. I mean, yes. But that makes a lot. That makes perfect sense. And it was something that I, I, I actually introduced. So I had the opportunity with talking with uh, Georgie Coda, who I used to run the page uh, Rugby and Beauty on uh, Instagram, and I think it just became something else. Um, but uh, he was speaking on the fact that one of the things that he wanted to try and focus on whenever he was doing the page was trying to present more uh, people from the north and, and, and northeast area because the exposure just doesn't exist there simply because of the fact that it is, one, the distance so far away, and two, it's a much more economically disadvantaged location. Um, but it, I also was, I was telling him, I was, he was telling me that you also, as, as you mentioned, Gabby, like you have a massive pool of talent that would exist there that works really well in, in, in complement to what you have in Sao Paulo, what you have in Florinopolis, what you have in Curitiba, uh, and of course in Rio. Uh, and, and it just doesn't get a chance to go there. But it, to your point, you know, having this centralized idea throws things off. I, I do wonder, um, obviously Brazil has, has been much newer into it. I know uh, like Curitiba Rugby Club, I think I read, started in like 1983 or so. So yeah, it's still like, it's still developing a lot of its new, um, its alumni. What, but for what you guys have now in terms of the women in uh, Vitor, I'll say with uh, the men, um, what what do you guys uh, what are you guys able to what have you guys been able to develop with the the alumni base that you guys have now and how do they affect maybe the culture of the city and the areas that you guys are in uh, versus just you know what you guys do inside the club itself? So you you say about the community, right? That's what so, you say. So it's two part question. I, I always do this. So. <laughs> For you guys, uh, what are, what is the engagement that you guys have with your alumni base, uh, guys that have been playing, who played, men and women who played in the past and might not play anymore currently? Yeah. Um, and then second part is with that combination of current players and past players and, and supporters, what have you guys been doing that impacts your direct community itself? Like what are uh, events? And I'll ask for both Gabby and Vitor. Gabby. All right. You have the floor. <laughs> yeah, I, I may let Victor answer before. Especially okay. because he's a teacher from war. So he knows more about uh, all the involvement with the community. I know some part, but I think it's better for him to answer first. Okay. I'm going. Vitão, salve. Vou dar o contexto de volta para você, velho. Então, a gente estava conversando muito sobre o desenvolvimento do rugby no Brasil, né? Dizendo que é muito centralizado em São Paulo que a Gabi, por exemplo, mencionou bastante que não tem investimento no norte, no nordeste do país no rugby, porque supostamente okay. é louco, é muito caro para vir para lá e tudo mais, então a gente, fez todo um, a gente montou todo um cenário do rugby em geral no Brasil, certo? E aí a pergunta dele agora para você, na verdade vai certo. um pouco fora disso, mas eu estava só te dando um contexto antes da nossa conversa. É, o que ele quer saber, por exemplo, é, existe um, um envolvimento das pessoas que eram do clube no passado 
e, e hoje, essas pessoas que já foram do clube se envolvem hoje em dia com o clube e... É, não só do clube, né? Do, até do projeto dos isso, dois. Isso. E, e daí, é, qual que é o impacto que você acha que o rugby tem na nossa uhum. comunidade? Né? E principalmente a questão do VOR. Qual que é o impacto que você acha que traz para a nossa comunidade o rugby em si? Perfeito. Então, a, a construção do, 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 do Curitiba ocorreu em 1983, né? Essas pessoas que iniciaram o clube, é, quando mais velhas, é, acharam uma, pensaram uma maneira para como desenvolver o clube, né? E, e, e nisso foi pensado em... em em propor um projeto que pudesse, de certa maneira, apresentar o rugby na cidade de Curitiba, né? Para o desenvolvimento. Do desenvolvimento. Uh, então, a nossa base, que atualmente é, tem muito da, é, das pessoas que iniciaram o clube, né? Muitos jogadores antigos, então acredito eu que sim, né? É, essas pessoas que iniciaram, os mais antigos, quem pode jogar, é, é muito ativo no clube, né? Muito ativo no clube. Tudo uh, é, eles, eles conseguem fazer o processo e, e, e a gente é, é um dos, dos melhores times do cenário nacional hoje, justamente por esse apoio dos, dos mais antigos, ok? É, o projeto VOR é, iniciou um projeto para ensinar o rugby, certo? E, mas não para fazer dele as, a, os alunos profissionais do rugby, sim, para poder desenvolver com as ferramentas do rugby, com os valores do rugby, com o, o esporte rugby, desenvolver melhores cidadãos para a cidade, certo? E e, e nisso teve o processo de, de alunos que, que se destacaram, que quiseram continuar uh, o desenvolvimento do rugby e de muito sucesso. Então, o nosso clube hoje, atualmente, atra, através dos nossos antigos jogadores, houve essa construção desse projeto e desse projeto se nasceu novos jogadores. E teve jogadores que vieram, fizeram todo o processo que a gente estava falando das Olimpíadas, teve alunos que saíram é, do projeto VOR, desse projeto, e, e conheceram o mundo através do rugby, né? É, jogaram etapas... É, que nunca imaginou que sairia do Brasil, por exemplo, né? E conheceu vários países, disputou com, com seleções da elite do rugby. Então, aconteceu uma experiência inacreditável para esses alunos, né? Isso na, e, a comunidade ali, e a comunidade como um todo também teve presente ali, certo? Isso, isso. A, 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 o, que, o que proporciona para a nossa comunidade esse desenvolvimento, né? A gente poder, através do rugby, usar essa ferramenta de desenvolvimento social, né? Para se tornar pessoas melhores. Então, seria essa a entrega, né? É essa o legado que os nossos veteranos nos deixaram, né? Beleza. Well, a lot of to translate again. <laughs> uh, this is why you're the man, Leo. This is why you're the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's why I'm here. <laughs> Now, so he was mentioned because uh, the, the VOR, the Living Rugby, the translation for it will be like that, the, the social project that we have, it started because of the old players, because of some of the guys that founded the club. They, they were thinking like, How can we introduce rugby on the community? How can we introduce rugby for the city? Because, I mean, uh, rugby in 2010, if you get 2005, no one knew what was rugby, basically. Only if you played or if you have someone in your family that played, you knew. 
So they had an idea, how, how can we uh, introduce rugby to the community? And then they started creating VOR, the, the project, which had a huge impact on the community. As, as Gabi said before, and Victor was saying now, he said like, for an example, first of all, the idea was just to get kids from the community, from uh, our poor regions with, uh, with a family with that they pass through difficulties, they go to uh, state public schools public. and all, yeah, public schools and all that. So let's help them, let's show them rugby, the values of rugby, because you know, it doesn't matter if you like, yeah, it's really small or really big, you can play. It doesn't right. matter, you know, you, you can you can weigh to, uh, 60 kilos or you can weigh to 150 and you can play rugby. You're just not going to run that much, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so he was saying that. So we started rugby and then we brought kids. You had all the process of teaching them the values, teaching them the community. And then they started to develop it. Because now you, you have, for, for example, he, he, he mentioned, you have some players that came from the project since little kids with 12 years old, 13 years old. And then they, they travel the world because of rugby. They start playing really well. They start playing for the Brazil national team. And now they, they travel the world. So in the community start seeing a future in rugby that they didn't see before. So that's the impact that he said that uh, the, the project as well, the club had. And I mean, Curitiba, we are one of the, the toughest clubs in Brazil. We are one of the biggest. We have, we have a, a pretty good men's team, a pretty good women's team. A lot of players that went and are on the on the on the uh, national team, so we are doing good, but we need more incentive from media and all that. But he said that yes, we did make an impact in the community, and we continue to do it with our project. Gabi, uh, I I love it, I love <laughs> it, and yo that that I think that's so important. It's something that we even try and speak of here in the U.S. as we continue to try and grow our game. Because we, it's always been, you know, what's the best way of putting it? Rugby has always had that that aspect of kind of being just just a party sport that you happen to also play uh, here. So you know, we know the social aspects of it. Obviously, we know the communal the community aspects of it in terms of uh, within the club. But then, whenever it comes to recruiting, outside of hey, play for fun and enjoy this, there's not really much. Hasn't been that much upward mobility upward mobility that goes along with the sport, which takes away a lot of the incentives, especially for kids who are, again, economically disadvantaged because it's more risk. Um, mm. We've now started to see some of that occur here uh, with uh, kids being able to go to university uh, with uh, scholarships. And you know, now that we just got the addition of the pro side, it, it adds another incentive now on how people will view the sport, but it's still delivering. One one place that I always speak of is rugby industry, and it goes to kind of what you guys are speaking on. In if you're able to go into the clubs and you continue to show kids, hey, you can you have an opportunity in this direction. You have an opportunity over here. Um, now this sport becomes larger than what you're doing uh, between the lines. Um, exactly. I, I I wonder. I ask, you know, and and one thing that I we've tried to start growing, especially here, and I and, and doing rugby media for the last seven years, I've seen a development in it. But what is the rugby industry like for you? So I understand. So let me explain. From a public side, a general stream side, not a lot of exposure. Obviously, getting newspapers and stuff that's harder. 
But from inside the industry, are there rugby reporters or there journalists or there videographers or anything that kind of exist in, in that realm? Kind yeah, of, I mean, I yes, yes, yes but not so many. Uh, we have uh, some social media that are focused in rugby, like Portal do Rugby, uh, Rugby de Calcinha, and Mesoval. So, uh, Mesoval, they have like a discussion, they invite people to discuss uh, about rugby and about championships, but it's something very focused to the public that already play rugby, and so is the media that players used to watch and see okay right and so it's not very uh distributed right. yeah it's not very wide wide um but yes <laughs> no and that that makes sense that makes sense um you know so do you guys see even if there's if within within the the club or anything like that, like people who you feel might be able to contribute on to maybe that side of rugby where you guys might be able to have a little bit more exposure um, that that might not have been there. Again, still small, but increasing the masses. Do you guys see that capability? Um, yeah, for example, in the club, uh, we used to have a lot of support from some photographers like Susie Sides. She lives nowadays in Denver. Nice. Uh, she's a pretty I, awesome photographer. She actually, you know her? I got to talk to her. She actually told yeah, me. Okay. Friend, so so she's yes. a great supporter of our team, our club, and the Brazilian rugby itself. Uh, she started with the Touch community. We even started the Touch Rugby in Curitiba with her support. He, she initiated everything, so it was pretty amazing. Uh, we have some other supporters uh, and photographers. Uh, Leo is taking care of the social media of the club nowadays. So we kind of do it by helping each other. Usually it's voluntary. Uh, most of the people, they don't receive to do what they do uh, because of the situation of rugby itself in Brazil. So we do for passion of the sport. The same with the people that uh, manage the club itself. Uh, our directors and everyone that works, they are retired players. Uh, they are usually some of the founders and some of the first players that nowadays they put money. They not only volunteers as well, volunteer, but they put their own money inside the club to help develop things. And for example, my dad, he do he did a lot of volunteer work for the club like painting the lines for the game, nice. like, uh, so uh, that's something very strong. Our club was based on a lot of passion, people who decided to put efforts to develop the sport in the country. Uh, so that's a pretty amazing thing. Yeah, there are a lot of people with the will of doing it. The problem is... <laughs> The problem is always money. I mean, right, yeah. of course. It's always, the problem is always money. It's always money. In yeah, the media. The media we have a lot. <laughs> yeah. 
no. I just want to complete one thing about what Vitor said yes, uh, about the development of the community. One plus thing that uh, the, our social project brought was the intention to uh, give better conditions to people. Uh, that starts not only with the social project changing lives, we wanted to change lives really. So many of the girls and boys that started in the social project, they wanted to continue playing rugby, so they enter in the main team, the girls and the men's team. And after uh, they conclude the basic studies, they could get a, a scholarship at a university which is a uh, sponsor of our team, Uniandrade. So they were able to do uh, a university course and some of those girls and boys, they came back to the club to work in the social project that they used to be students of the social yeah. project. That's and amazing. that's amazing because, uh, oh, he gave me crimples, like a, a lot of emotion because uh, you see, you see not only girls and boys traveling around the world, but you see boys and girls getting a degree, uh, getting a job, and that changed a lot for many, many people. And yeah. as that. <laughs> No, I, I love that. Um, and, and it's it's something, you know, I, I've been hopeful that gets promoted even more within the community because as much as the game is, I think, is, is great, and I think everything that happened between the field is great, I've always believed the biggest strength of rugby comes from the culture and not so much, not just the, the, the play itself. And it creates a unique dynamic that uh, while you can say there is unity of many sports, but I don't think there's the network that occurs yeah. like rugby has. Um, yeah, we're in a process, but one day we will get there. But right, you know, look, look, it it's a little faster. You know what I mean? It could be faster. <laughs> I mean, when 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 the babies are born, just don't give don't don't give him just a football. Give him a rugby ball. You know what I mean? What's the matter? Maybe he's gonna be a big guy like me. Fat. And he couldn't play football. I can play football. I'm big. The only thing that I'm that I'm, I can play is, I don't know, maybe a fight or a use your shoulders. You need yeah. something to use your shoulders. It's like you yeah. got to try to use all this running. Use let I me mean, use I my like, shoulders. I like to smash people. You know, I don't like to be, you know, just kicking a ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hundred percent, brother. I understand. Um, <laughs> No, so kind of kind of winding this down, and, uh, you know, there's one thing I always wanted, and I, I know my fiancé always really makes an exception to to try and always promote it, is uh, misconceptions that can come from Brazil. And I know there's always the, the stereotypes. We know Carnival and, you know, Hio and all that, and that, that always takes the face. But, you know, I don't know if a lot of people realize uh, the potential that Brazil has. And I, I would say for you and, and, and Vitor, um, what is a misconception that you guys feel the world might have about Brazil and Brazil rugby that you guys would love to uh, be like, hey, throw that away. Like, that's not true. Like, here's the truth. Um, you know, Gabby, you know, uh, do you, 
Any any misconceptions, any myths that you feel uh, need to be that, that just related to rugby or to Brazil like itself too? I, first one, then the other. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe a misconception about rugby could be about, like you said, uh, the girls, they didn't get many things. For example, maybe around the world is not so uh, distribute the idea of how strong we are uh, taking the reality of our continent. Uh, so we are the third best in the America itself. We just lost the Pan Americans to USA and Canada. So we are the third best in America. So that's not a small thing. It's huge for us. Uh, and the boys, the same thing. It's like they have a lot of, uh, uh, I forgot the word, a lot of commitment, a lot of uh, uh, passion to the sport. Uh, but sometimes they don't have the enough uh, conditions as the others. But sometimes it's that, the, the idea that we are not so good in the eyes of some parts of the world, but they don't know all the the things that we need to give up to try to achieve a small thing. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Made perfect. Yeah. I, I it yeah, completely yeah. made sense. It completely okay. made sense. Vitão, I'm gonna ask him. Can I? Thank you. Yes. yes. <laughs> Vitão, seguinte, não, a gente tá conversando normalmente a gente tá tocando no assunto sobre o desenvolvimento do rugby no Brasil e tudo mais. E a pergunta agora que ele fez para Gabi também fez para você é a seguinte: existe algum tipo? Eu vou traduzir meio que é preconceito. Existe algum tipo de preconceito com o rugby? E daí a pergunta dele vai tanto para o rugby é, no Brasil, então tipo preconceito entre nós aqui brasileiros contra o rugby e também do mundo. Se você acha que tem alguma coisa do mundo de fora contra o rugby brasileiro, se você vê que alguém lá de fora diz ah o rugby brasileiro é tal tal tal, mas não é bem assim. Então as duas coisas, o rugby aqui na nossa comunidade no Brasil e também se alguém de fora tem algum preconceito com nós. Bom, aqui dentro do Brasil, eu, eu não acredito em preconceito, sabe? Eu penso mais no desconhecido, né? Ninguém entende o que é o rugby, né? É, é um esporte que, que foi muito pouco apresentado, até mesmo dentro das escolas, né? Uh, na escola do Brasil se apresenta mais é, futebol, handball, voleibol, basquetebol, e o resto dos esportes são esquecidos, entendeu? Então, eu, eu, eu não vejo como um, um preconceito, certo? Mas é, é falta de entendimento. Tá? E o que, que esse, essa falta de entendimento sobre o rugby acontece? O professor dentro da escola, quando vai assistir uma imagem do jogo na televisão, ele vai perceber, ele, ele pensa que aquilo é um muito violento, entendeu? Que vai se aproximar mais como uma luta. E isso aí, aí que causa o desentendimento. Né? Talvez é nesse ponto que ele não leve o rugby para frente, porque ele fica assustado, perfeito? O que, que a gente faz? Com isso, através do nosso projeto, a gente vai para dentro das escolas e tenta é, tirar, entendeu? Essa cisma com o rugby, entendeu? É, demonstrando que o esporte é de muitos valores, que, que não é um esporte violento. Existe o combate, existe o contato físico, mas ele não é violento, certo? É, e, e, 
e, e fora do Brasil, uma visão do, do nacional, eu penso que, que eles não, é, não, não acreditem, né? não coloca a fé que o rugby brasileiro possa fazer alguma coisa, entendeu? É, que não tenha o protagonismo. Mas eu vejo que tem muita capacidade para o país, para o rugby brasileiro se tornar protagonista no, no cenário mundial. É, de, vai depender tudo, claro, do desenvolvimento do rugby brasileiro. Beleza. So the biggest problem from him is the lack, the lack of knowledge on the sport. What I mean is like, for an example, if you go to a school and you have the physical education, you you learn something about football, of course, handball, futsal, you know, most most common sports. But they don't they don't don't teach, teach anything about rugby. Why? Because they think it's too brutal. They think it's too. I mean, they never heard the word touch rugby. You know, what is the brutal in touch rugby? Whatever. But they think it's too brutal. They see the images of on, on the on the, the TV TV shows and all that, and they see guys getting oh, smashed and like. When you suffer a fault in rugby, the, the, it continues. It doesn't stop with the medical assistance and all that. You know, the guy is there with the nose broken on the field receiving medical assistance and all that. So they, he's saying that the, the biggest problem is that the lack of knowledge about the sport, because people have to know more about the sport. And that's one of the things that we do on the project, for example. He already he mentioned it. We have like a course. So we go to the schools. And the first thing that we do is that we teach the sport to the professor. We don't start with the kids. We start showing them, showing him how rugby can be because of the thing of the inclusion. You have the fat guy that can play and the skinny guy that can play on the same team. You can include all everything. You, you include gender. You can have women playing rugby. You can have men playing rugby. It doesn't matter. So that's one one of the main points that he say he touched. He, he, he talked about the unknown. And uh, talking about the world as a whole about rugby in Brazil, he thinks that the whole world doesn't doesn't give Brazil like a potential. The world thinks that Brazil is not going to get anywhere. But in his opinion, we are. And we, we are on the process to it. We have a lot of people to it. We are a huge country, huge, a lot of people. And we, yes, we can be one of the biggest in the world. I mean, Argentina is. Why can't we? You know? Yo, I love it. I love it. Guys, thank you so much. Obrigado. Uh, it uh, means a lot to be able to have you guys on and uh, to be able to talk with you uh, and get to learn even more um, about what you guys have going on with rugby. And uh, it, it, it's nice to, it, it's, it's interesting because a lot of the same situations are the same situations that we deal with here. So, uh, you know, I feel like uh, being able to mutually solve the same problem helps everybody <laughs> in that and uh, yeah. makes it for uh, a better, a better game going on and a better impact. And of course, just uh, getting to continue to have, meet great people, like yourselves. So uh, thank you guys so much. Um, before I let you guys go, can you guys uh, drop drop where people, drop your social medias where people can find you and be able to uh, get to know more? Uh, please. Oh, all right. How do we do it? Like saying it? Yeah, literally saying it all. Please <laughs> so follow the rugby, the, the, the club. is Curitiba Rugby Club on Instagram. Uh, my is. Please follow as well the VOR, the VOR project Instagram is Vivendo Rugby. And if you if you want to follow mine is Leonardo Crema. <laughs> mine is like my last name, Pellegrini Gabi. So Pellegrini Gabi. Everything together. Victor Ancina. Victor Ancina. Victor Ancina. Ah, v, Victor A, 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 A
Perfect. And thank you for the opportunity. We really appreciate it. I think everybody liked it. Was a great yeah. conversation, and maybe we can do something else in the future. Oh, know. we absolutely will. Like that's without a choice. <laughs> we absolutely <laughs> will be doing more in the future. So, if as long as you guys have. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I hope everyone can cheer for Curitiba and War, and for us to continue like getting champion in the next year. Let's like go. we have two championships for the boys, two for the girls, one for so. Follow us! Yay! Yeah. <risos> então, Let's então, go. quer mandar algum recado aí, Vitão? Obrigado, algo assim, qualquer coisa? Agradecer o espaço, né? É, essa oportunidade de a gente apresentar o nosso clube, o nosso projeto e falar um pouquinho do rugby no Brasil. Muito obrigado. E thank you and everybody for the opportunity to like talk about our club, the sport in Brazil, and hope we can talk together in the future, again in the future. Awesome. Man, guys, I, 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 I always get informed. Like, I feel so informed going in, and I have a higher respect for Brazilian rugby as a result. Obviously, there's things that have to be worked on, but you know what? It's very similar to what we have here in the States and what we have around the world in the rugby world, and it's great to know that we're all trying to grow this together. Um, big thanks to Leo Crema, uh, to Gabby Pellegrini, J. Pellegrini, and to uh, Vitor Ancina. Muito obrigado. Thank you, thank you, guys. Um, you know, and please, guys, check them out. You're going to enjoy what they're doing. They, you know, um, Leo posts up through the Curitiba Rugby Club page all the time. Great stuff that they have, and it's going to be even more amazing as the year goes. And, guys, please, please check out some of our other podcasts. Like, I, if you guys enjoyed this one, definitely check out some of our other ones. We've had, last week, we had Tiffany Faye, uh, 2017 Women's Rugby World Cup captain. We had Tiara Mack, the Rhode Island State Senator. We had Ann Unwusery, uh, who is the po podcast host of Black Girls Ruck, based out of the UK. We had Coma Gandhi Fishpin. Uh, we've had Gordon Hanlon. We've had Freddie Henry Ajuda of Nigeria Rugby. We had Kelly Smith of American Rugby uh, American Rugby Sports Training Center. Uh, we've had Adam Gray Hayward of the movie Play On. Uh, Farrah Douglas, head coach for Mount St. Mary's Women's Rugby. Uh, just the list goes on. Uh, Naya Tapper. We've had Ram Eddings of the Grey Wolves. Like, we've got so many guests. We've got so much for you to be able to learn. So many people that you definitely want to hear about. And I'm telling you, you're not going to regret it. It's great conversations each time. You're learning something. These people got stories. And I mean, they're great stories to be able to tell and to be able to get the insight. And it just gives you an idea of setting up the context for what the future is going to be and how wide this sport can take it. And I know that you guys appreciate it because you took the time to listen. And I I really appreciate you guys as a result of that. Uh, if you can, please leave a review on Apple Podcast and uh, leave a rating on that if you could. Uh, otherwise, yo, continue to share this with friends and family. Let them know about what's going on. I know this feels it could be another podcast, but this isn't. This is something that we're here to change and create a movement as a result. And most importantly, though, yo, I hope you guys are happy. I hope you guys are healthy. And I hope you guys know that you are highly favored. I will talk to you guys next time. Thank you. Cheers.